As Latter-day Saint leaders, we face very difficult conversations that put us at risk of saying the wrong thing that can do more harm than good. Many of these conversations relate to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Have you had a fellow board member come out to you about their LGBT identity? Have you had LGBT neighbors and you just don't know what to say to them, so you ignore them instead? Have you wrestled with balancing love for your fellow men while still respecting the doctrines of the restored gospel? In order to help, Leading Saints has put together the LGBT Saints Library with more than 20 presentations featuring individuals who have a unique perspective or expertise around this topic. Three of the most popular sessions are available now to watch. Simply text the word LEAD to 474747 to start watching now or visit leadingsaints.org LGBT. Welcome back to the Leading Saints podcast. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation, much like this podcast. We have articles at leadingsaints.org you should check out. A weekly newsletter you should subscribe to also has unique content. So let's jump into this week's episode. We're in St. George, Utah with, I'm going to get you mixed up. We have sisters here. So Jody Struer. Yes, sir. And we've heard your husband on the podcast before, Jeff Struer. Yeah. Or he's been in any event I do. We always work Jeff in there somewhere. He's, yeah, it he, seems like it. He manages to be everywhere. Yeah, he, he's, he's great. And Jamie Adams, and uh, you're both sisters. Yeah. Nice. And uh, how? Do, and you're sisters that are starting a podcast, or that have started a podcast. Yes. So who wants to jump in and tell us about your podcast, and, and that and it'll lead into a great discussion today. This is Jamie, and uh, yeah, we started a podcast about... I want to say a year ago, over a year ago now, mm-hmm. and during, at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, we had been talking about it for a couple of years before that, going back and forth about, well, this is something that interests the two of us and seemed like when the world shut down for a little bit, we had some time. Yeah. And so it became a priority. So for those of you who aren't as familiar, our podcast is Speak Up Sister, and uh, our website is speakupsister.net. And our audience is women and men who are searching for better, more effective, clearer ways to speak up effectively uh, in homes, uh, church councils, communities, work, anywhere you can name, but yeah. to give some real strength to people who want to speak and be heard. Yeah. Now, both of you being Latter-day Saints, I mean, there's a Latter-day Saint flavor to it, but it's not necessarily Absolutely. all Latter-day Saint focused, right? No. Yeah. No. no. That's just your personal experience and typically yeah. where you've needed to learn to speak up, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, a podcast focused for women and men, I guess, but really to just help zoom in on this dynamic that happens, especially in our, our faith tradition where typically there's an outnumbered gender, right? And that's typically women, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I hope to, we, we can talk about today is just that dynamic of councils, of meetings, and and this happens often where, and I know there's a lot of uh, male leaders out there that are striving to, you know, bring that balance into these meetings, whether they, they try and invite more women in. And even if, correct me if I'm wrong, but even if we had, you know, six women and six men, those dynamics still exist where maybe you still feel outnumbered, right? Yeah, Absolutely. they do. They do. We kind of, we just come by that tradition, honestly. It's in, in our history, it's in, it's in the culture, and it's been becoming uncovered little by little for some time, but it's our heritage that, you know, we've gone from being a piece of property to 
to where we are now and mm-hmm. there's still more work to be done and and this is part of it yeah. women being able to just claim their space and and offer what they have to offer and trust that it belongs and that there's room for it yeah so where do we begin to even understand this dynamic of of being outnumbered cuz typically we just default to you know counting the individuals in the room and saying oh yeah there should be more women in here but how do we begin to understand the dynamics of of being outnumbered that's a that's a good and very deep question. You're right. It's not a matter of numbers always mm-hmm. because our faith tradition and and I would suggest that culturally the LDS church cultural tradition, you know, in addition to the faith tradition is we're still a little bit behind even where the world is headed in terms of women their confidence in participating in a larger scale. Some of that a lot of it, I would say, has to do with a strong and very important belief that we have that women, it's our heritage and role to invite and create space for children and families. And mm-hmm. we take that uh, seriously. And both Jody and I take that seriously as mm-hmm. wives, as mothers, as, as you know, family protectors. We, we want and desire that good, you know, to strengthen the nest as much as we can. But at the same time, you know, women are when they spend a lot of time in unstructured environments, lots of interruption, uh, lots of noise, then their patterns and abilities to to speak clearly, to come to the point, to to contribute in in you know what the world considers meaningful ways, the home life isn't always geared for that. And mm-hmm. so when we when we then try to move over to a you know a ward council, a simple thing that's that's run often like a, a board meeting. Mm-hmm. Then women are shifting, shifting. They're having to to go now to okay. This is my you know, and I have to communicate differently if I've spent the bulk of my life you know in in this one mode and then going a different direction, which is kind of a nebulous way. I guess plenty of women and more and more are working and are, are outside the home now in our church than ever before in yeah. its history. And um, there are a lot more women that are having opportunities, and I think importantly, as women of covenant and women of light to participate in a, in a lot of those different ways. And so they're bringing a lot of new skills and they're bringing a lot of important uh, contributions yeah. into that. But we're, we're, still, we're still behind. And the women who do not have, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is the women that, women that don't have really clear ways of knowing how to, to shift easily so that, so that their speaking can be effective are feeling really frustrated that yeah. they're not because they're not contributing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then they don't feel good because they're not contributing and their contributions are needed and necessary. In fact, the prophet himself has said that. Their contributions are needed and he's asking women to speak up, but it's not happening the way it needs to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm hearing as you speak that is that, uh, that we often see this as a motivation problem. Well, if the, the, if the priesthood leaders, the male leaders would just... Uh, you know, get on board with including more women. But in reality, even if they did that, even if they got equal numbers in the room, mm-hmm. maybe those women in our our deep faith tradition of a lot of women are typically, you know, Monday through Friday or Saturday or 24-7, they're home with kids and focusing on mothering and nurturing and these things. And then they shift to the a boardroom setting. And it's not that there's anything wrong with them or mm-hmm. wrong with their lifestyle or why they're doing that, but they just have don't have the skill set maybe that or it's out of practice that maybe others in the room do have. Is that mm-hmm. a good way to look at it? I mean, is it mm-hmm. a skill set dynamic that we're- Partially, yeah. yeah. And there are assumptions, right? There are assumptions in boardrooms. There's a, there's a time limit. 
You, yeah. you, we're here. This is what we're here to accomplish. Many people fall into that very easily, but sometimes our traditional modes of communication aren't necessarily naturally honed for that. We don't, and we can get into this later, but we don't have high levels of of clarity in our communication. We don't have high levels of logic and succinctness as women. We tend to communicate more broadly. We can tend to tell stories. Mm-hmm. So those things aren't, you know, to make that shift, it can be a challenge. And when women start feeling insecure or frustrated or or a little bit of emotional overwhelm in the meeting, then all of a sudden it starts coming out in in all kinds of ways and and then their misunderstandings or they're feeling unheard or they're feeling talked over, there there's just then the meeting can deteriorate yeah. in the woman's mind and and you know the the leader may have no idea you right. know that she's had a frustrating yeah. experience. and she's almost like uh stepping back from the engagement of that meeting and mm-hmm. and the leader in the room maybe the bishop thinks oh she just doesn't have anything else to say right we'll move on when in reality she's thinking i'm checked out of this meeting right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. jody anything else that comes to mind as far as that that dynamic as far as you know th- what women are experiencing there i love what jamie said and she said it beautifully but I do want to say that I I think that what needs to be addressed is more than just the building of a skill. Hmm. That I do think that's important and it's something that we try to cover regularly on the podcast. We try to offer tools and get into to really concrete things that women can do, but because it is a cultural problem and because mm-hmm. the culture is broken in this way, then it's not just a matter of women needing to build skill. It's in a broader sense, a matter of men and women needing to be able to work together better. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of that will include men who administer in the church doing things differently. Yes, inviting more women to participate in a meeting is a great first step. But then inviting women to speak during the meeting, maybe even sending out notes ahead of time to give women a chance to think ahead about things and come prepared. There are just so many things that can be done when we address it from the point of view of men and women can both do things to to elevate this meeting so that all contributions are being made and then the spirit will be more free to flow. Yeah. And so maybe let's go down some of those as far as uh what we can do, like just even these, this idea of, of sending out information beforehand. And, and again, we're going to warn everybody as we make sweeping generalizations of, you know, there may be women listening, like, what is she talking about? Or what is he talking about? That's sure. not been my experience. But I think just through the different research and content you've put together, you've sort of identified some of these points where it can really be helpful for leaders to process. Mm-hmm. Um, and even this conversation is sort of a, a microcosm of, of what we're talking about, where, you know, just creating space, it's good to just sort of create that space for the processing to happen in each individual mind in their own way, rather than just plowing through and and Mm -hmm. moving on to the next thing Mm -hmm. on the list, right? So the first point I'm hearing is that there is, there's maybe a, what you talked on, Jamie, is there's this, there's this skill set. And I hate using that word skill set, like, oh, you know, women are just, they're not as skilled as men and they're walking into this room, right? But naturally, maybe because of the nature of our tradition of lifestyle as a Latter-day Saint with majority of couples having their the wife stay home with with children and the the father going off to more of a board meeting where they are in formal meetings so naturally there's mm-hmm. maybe more of a skill set developed there so 
one could be, okay, the skill set, but that's not the whole thing. The other thing is like you addressed, Jody, is that culturally we, there's, there's some dynamics there, like a patriarchal system where men hold priesthood, they hold keys. And in theory, they have sort of that revelatory veto power, right? Because they, they're the holder of the keys. And is that sort of with the cultural dynamic? Is that what you're addressing this brokenness in the culture? Yeah. Yeah. Which is the, the leap that gets made from the men that hold the keys to the priesthood to perform certain ordinances that because of that, that their voice is way more than the women in their councils, which just absolutely isn't true because mm-hmm. women may not hold keys, but they have an absolutely equal access to the priesthood power right. to serve in the callings that they hold. And so, so yeah, it is a matter of, I don't know, maybe just coming to a broader understanding of how it can work mm-hmm. or just shifting entirely a focus on men and holders of the priesthood and administration to a more collective way of approaching leadership meetings. Yeah. And really, you mentioned assumptions, like there's certain assumptions that are there, whether we like it or not, where everybody walks into a council meeting with the assumption of, all right, the stake president gets the last call on this, or we're here to sort of figure out what the stake president wants and just sort of nod our heads and go along with it. Like yeah. that assumption is not helpful in stimulating a wider discussion and being heard, especially among women, right? Yeah. Who, who are never in that seat of that key holder, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I don't, this may be too much of a tangent, no, but, but I do recall the prophet saying in his first talk that he gave as the president of the church, he talked about the pattern that the 12 apostles and, and the first presidency hold to in their meetings is mm-hmm. th- that they discuss and they discuss and they work things out and they contribute until all are agreed and the spirit is unleashed. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, that is the precedent. That's what we should seek for in all of our meetings. So, so the idea shouldn't be that we attend a meeting and that guy has the last word. Right. Because if we're following this pattern that was laid out by the prophet, then it doesn't work like that. We all just seek for the spirit in this particular circumstance. Right. And so really pushing back on that assumption, right? That yeah. the people can have that assumption that that doesn't mean that, and or they've seen that happen for decades in the church, right? And so oh, for that, sure. Yeah. That's where maybe that, that cultural breakdown is, is when we walk in there with the assumption of we're just here to you know, do, do what he says, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Can I just add something to mm-hmm. that? There's a, a short video clip with Henry B. Irene speaking about councils in the church, and he compares it because, you know, he's had some experience in Ivy League education and, and committees there, and he compares the two, um, some of his work at Stanford University versus working in the church as a general authority. And he essentially says the exact same thing which Jody just mentioned, but then goes on to say, gives this personal story of everybody talking, everybody giving their input. And even at the end of the meeting, the leader of the meeting being the one to say, I think this brother has not said something. Mm -hmm. And so he takes it on himself after that meeting to then pull the brother aside and say, are you on board with this? Like, is there there something that we're missing here? What's, What's going on? And he said, yeah, you know, I am. I'm feeling unsettled about this or that. You know, when we're when we're looking at it from the leader's perspective and and maybe redefining, like you just mentioned, Kurt, like our expectations going into that meeting, but additionally, the leader's expectations for what his job is. You know, is it his job to sit there and mm. you know bark the order, mm-hmm. or is it his job to be so aware of the contribution of every person in that room 
so that that spirit can be there, so that that final unity and connection can be brought to the forefront of that particular council. And that that's irrespective of gender. It's just who's in the room, who's part of that. All of that needs to be considered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so any other assumptions that maybe are, are yeah, out there, you know, one that, that there's one person that makes the call, that's an assumption that's not helping. Assuming that we're all in the same skill set level of far, as far as having a council meeting or a discussion, any other assumptions that often get uh, looked over or just assumed for lack of a better word? I think that both men and women can bring an assumption to these meetings that because women don't hold the priesthood, that what they have to say doesn't weigh as much. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very real thing. So different weight of uh, of opinions and yeah. things, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to say this the way I'm thinking it in my head, but sometimes there also is an assumption that if the communication manner or vessel is a little different than what we're used to, that the message itself is therefore less valuable yeah. or mm-hmm. less valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we all we all communicate the same is maybe the false assumption there. That, right. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you don't, then we're going to, then the discounting automatically starts internally. Yeah. We start and just, discounting meaning like discounting of the, that, of that yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Even mm-hmm. if we don't say it, even if we don't say to the sister, we kind of go, oh, it's Sister Brown. <laughs> right. Uh, here she goes again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give me, is there a hypothetical or maybe a real life example of, of what that may sound like or? I don't know if this is directly does it, but I had an experience recently where I was speaking with a brother, particularly about callings. I was giving some information saying, here's you know a list of people and, and we need callings for this and this and and then the the brother was then returning saying, okay, you know, giving me information. Well, you know, this person has this calling or they're needed somewhere else. They're not available, which is fine. But then at one point he said, I don't want her. She's difficult. And he said that about a couple different of the sisters, but not of the brothers. And, you know, when you're like Jody and I, and you kind of have a hyper awareness <laughs> of this type of Especially thing. Especially attuned to these problems. <laughs> Oh, shoot. You know, is this kind of the way we talk about things or or about people that we've stopped relying on, you know, the spirit in this or whatever? And, and it was just, it was a very minor and small thing, but it was an immediate discount because this woman has to, happens to have a strong personality, mm-hmm. you know, and I think had she been a priesthood holder, it would have been transferred differently. Oh, well, he's He's strong and capable, and we'd love to have him. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah, that is exactly one of the gendered assumptions that we bring, which is that women are supposed to be mild-mannered and easygoing and not have strong ideas or opinions and definitely not vocalize them mm-hmm. in that way. That that's, that's reserved for men. That's, yeah. a, that's a cultural assumption that we bring. Right. And I think, I mean, I would class myself as having a very strong personality and that's many times maybe been uh, applauded or, or rewarded. Like, oh, this person like, you know, steps up, takes control and moves forward. But yeah. sometimes, it, when, you know, when women do that, it can feel like, whoa, sister. Right. You know, like, yeah. Right. But yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she'll get a label and that's the hardest part. She'll mm-hmm. be labeled difficult, mm-hmm. aggressive, forthright. Like, and there's ways that we talk about that that mm-hmm. aren't. Yeah. That's not flattering, you know? Yeah, even direct, not... even women who are too direct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that they just kind of get pushed over on on that side, like like it's not okay. Yeah. But... You've also mentioned in your podcast about this concept of sensitivity, where 
a typical conversation may happen and it can feel like, you know, from maybe a, a, a male perspective, like, wow, this sister is she's awful sensitive. Like what, what's like, I almost don't like the sensitivity in this. Like, I just want to deal with logic and facts and sure. ABC, but then she's bringing in this, the feelings to, you know, I don't <laughs> I know. Love like, it. That's a you great, know what I mean? Yeah. That's a great comment. And in terms of bringing skills to that meeting, then that is definitely a skill that could be developed on the male side uh-huh. is an ability to be able to listen to and make room for and accommodate somebody who has an emotional way of speaking or mm-hmm. a meandering way of speaking, that those kinds of things are perfectly, they're very different. They're not as direct. They're not as male, you know, in general terms. But again, like Jamie said, it doesn't discount the content. Right. And, and what, what's an example of that? Like this, you talk about this emotional way of talking or I mean, meandering sort of, I get the, the sense that, you know, someone just sort of needs to go on a journey with you <laughs> through their, exactly through their right. words before That's they, exactly right. you know, where sometimes it's like, no, just come on. Like, what's the point? Like, what do you get into? Right. Like, <laughs> sure. And, but any other, like, how would you identify or articulate what that emotional talk is, is like, or, I mean, I, cause sometimes I just think, oh, they're starting to cry. Like, why, why are we crying? Like what's going on? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Gosh. Um, I think a great, if I could use, and this is, this is might be tangential as well, but if I could use an example from mm-hmm. the business world and then come back yeah. to your question, there is a woman whose name is Frances Fry. She is a Harvard business school professor and uh, in 2017, some of you may be familiar, the Uber, their company started tanking really quick and they were having all kinds of internal and managerial problems. So they brought this woman in, Frances Fry, and had her clean up the culture in, at Uber. And one of the things that she says is that, that they were really missing were empathy, logic, and authenticity. Okay, so then she goes and talks about these things. She's written a, a brilliant book called Unleashed, um, the the unapologetic leader's guide to empowering everyone around you. Hmm. Anyway, she talks about logic and she talks specifically about women communicating logic. So your question is, what does it look like, okay, when it's this mm-hmm. journey, when they're going on this story? And she explains it that there are two ways really to communicate in the world. And she draws this example on the board of a a triangle. And one is with the triangle point up top, and the other is with the triangle down below. She says many people, and what can be considered more difficult in the boardroom, in the council, wherever it is, is the inverted triangle where the point is down. So if you can imagine that triangle, they start telling the story. They start, Mm -hmm. they set the stage and they're explaining everything. This actually is very effective and it's, it's used quite a lot in our sacrament meeting talks Mm -hmm. at church. Oh, for sure. Okay, So if you can, you can imagine it in that setting as being very exciting and, and useful. And of course you have a, you have a captive audience. Nobody's there going to be interrupting you. Unless it's our dad who flipped the light on me when I was a teenager. He was our bishop. He, he interrupted you during a talk? Yeah, because in the old days we had those little lights the on. The lights. Oh, yeah. yeah. He flipped the light on because oh. I was taking too long. <laughs> anyway, neither here nor there. So you're so. saying don't flip the light on women <laughs> that's a, when, you're, well, when they're Well, essentially, that's exactly where that's we're right. going with Are this. you done yet, sister? <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so... 
That mode of communication, though, is how many women communicate. Uh That's a natural way because what they're trying to do is they're trying to build their case. Mm -hmm. They're trying to give you all of the information so that you will understand their final point. Because they're starting broad and they're going more and more specific. And then they get narrower and narrower. And then at the very bottom of that triangle is the thesis. This is the point I'm trying to make, which is that we need six leaders and not four leaders at High Adventure Camp. Uh (laughs) Right? So that's what they're doing. Well, what Frances Fry suggests is that when women, if women can learn, and anybody who, who tends to navigate toward this mode of communication, if they can flip the triangle, and she says, if you can just start... Where she says like a half sentence, a concise half sentence of what you're trying to say first, Mm -hmm. then do your explanations. And she said what she started seeing in Uber's culture was that the more women practiced this, and this is the thing, right, that, that women aren't always doing in the home. Like this isn't a natural thing in home or very highly relationally focused connections that they do learn and have to learn when they're out in any other, you know, working church environment. And she says the advantage to actually doing it this way for men or women, anybody who has the tendency to communicate that is just if you start at the top of the triangle, then you go and start doing all your supporting evidence. That way, if you're interrupted, which most women are before Mm -hmm. they get done explaining themselves, Mm -hmm. their point has already been made. and. The men in organizations don't take credit for the point because oftentimes when women are starting up here and doing all of their journey and explanations, Mm. they're interrupted because the guy over here who's really sharp going, oh, I see where she's going with this. So are you saying we need four leaders? (laughs) And he just cuts to the chase Uh and then she's lost all of that ground. Gotcha. Obviously, we're talking about a men and women dynamic. This happens for men too. It's just not as often not as consistently, far more it happens to women. Anyway, so just as a more practical thing, looking for when you say, what does it look like? It just looks like the need, the desire to tell the whole story first. Mm -hmm. And there's room on both sides. We don't have infinite time. I would love for you to hear my entire life story so you could really know where I'm coming from. But we don't have time for that in our meetings. We just Mm -hmm. don't if we don't want to be there all day and we want to get home to our families. Mm -hmm. So every one of us has to figure out ways to communicate that we can get this point across, give our supporting evidence as we need to, and then move on. Yeah. So I'm just thinking like of a a sister sitting in a a ward council meeting or thinking, okay, I I need to engage with this. I don't like maybe the direction that it's headed. I want to get some feedback. Maybe mentally go through this exercise of saying, okay, what's the point? Like what is the one thing I want to communicate. And then I'm going to start with that mm-hmm. and then head elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I'd like to add just a little yeah. something to that too, that in in the telling of the story, there will be included a lot of feelings because mm-hmm. for many women, that is, that is how we work and move through the world. That mm-hmm. is how I feel about this and then how that changed the course mm-hmm. of events or how this feeling is affecting this. Or even right now, I don't feel what I need to feel to be able to move forward, Mm -hmm. that there has to be space for that. Because in the same way that for many men, logic does not include feelings. For many women, logic is the feelings and the transitions of and flow and change of the feelings in the process. Yeah. So there may be the sense of like, I can tell that my bishop is hearing me logically, like he understands Mm -hmm. the words coming out of my mouth, but I don't feel understood. Like there's Mm -hmm. something, 
there's like a dismissal in this communication to some level, right? Mm-hmm. And what, what's, I mean, where do you go from there? Well, I mean, where Jamie and I go from there is friends. We've got this podcast mm-hmm. and it's yeah. full of all sorts of ideas and tools and even v- validation and eye-opening experiences that can help so that when that happens, a woman can in that position say, I'm not ready to leave this topic because something I don't feel settled about mm. something that just happened here, you know, or be able to find the words to say what she needs to say, or can we visit about this later or any of a number of things, as long as she can communicate, I'm not on board with where this is going yeah. and that matters. Yeah. And that, that is sort of, I mean, you have to, that takes some practice a little bit of saying, Hey, we can move on, but just so you know, yes. I'm not settled on this. Right? Yes. Well, and that's what our podcast is trying to do. A lot of what we talk about on our podcast, these are simple things. When we talk about the importance and of genuine listening, there isn't a person out there who doesn't understand that listening is valuable. Right. But it's really being able to do the deep work required mm-hmm. so that the listening is effective. And so, you know, the skill sets for women to start finding the words, even just to express their unsettledness. And then also the leaders finding some words to say, I can see that this is important to you. And I can see that maybe you need some more time. And maybe you and I should have a one-on-one conversation about this at another time. Yeah. You know, so that both sides can say, I recognize this is something that you're experiencing. What can we do? And it matters. Yeah. And it matters. Mm -hmm. Because there's often this feeling of like, okay, we have an hour worth of ward council meeting here and this, here we are 35 minutes in, we got to, you know, there's other things we need to talk about. So these things, you you don't have to settle the conversation within the context of that meeting. You could then say, mm-hmm. you know, I can see that we're not there yet. Why don't we, you and I talk and then we'll, we'll bring that back to me. Because oftentimes sure. it's a one-to-one conversation happening mm-hmm. in a meeting. Absolutely. When in reality, that doesn't have to happen in the meeting, you mm-hmm. can take it elsewhere. Right. right. Yeah. And that's an easy cultural shift. We can just start saying it. And then other women start going, oh, I can say that. I can mm-hmm. say that. I can just say, wait, I, I'm not settled. Can yeah. we revisit this later? Right. Like that's easy enough. It's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else as far as maybe transitioning just in like we've, we've identified some, and I'm just going to review these assumptions. Like, that, you know, assuming that we're all on the same skill set when it comes to being present in a council, assuming that only one person in the room and I guess this conflates with the the next one is as far as like the weight of opinions in the room, just because the bishop has been ordained with keys does not mean he brings more weight with his opinion. It's still his opinion, right? Mm-hmm. And revelation can still be found in, in those other opinions in the room. The false assumption that we all communicate the same, the false assumption that uh, a strong personality, there's something wrong with a strong personality, and that seems to be magnified in the context of women, right? Mm-hmm. Anything as far as, and, and maybe this... You know, this feeling of, and this word always gets me, unanimity in a council. And this is maybe what you talked on, talked about, What where the goal needs to be unanimity. And, and there, in Doctrine and Covenants, it talks about this in the example you gave of the Quorum of the Twelve. I mean, this is what they're constantly striving for. It's not majority rule. And this is maybe where we fall into that pitfall is oftentimes the majority of genders in the room are male and the majority often rules or, you know, or, or there's sort of this... Uh, this the gymnastics of unanimity where we sort of are aiming for it but uh you know one or two people aren't on board but hey come on just get with the program you know we sort of the, uh, you know push them into the opinion and then we can move on because we've reached unanimity but this really striving for pure unanimity 
of saying like, no, 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 you don't understand. We will come back to this if we're not, if we're not settled, right? Mm -hmm. Or if somebody in this room is not settled or we'll have conversations out of the room, right? Anything else to add to the concept of unanimity we haven't touched on? Well, yeah, it just brings to mind this quote that we referenced in our podcast on this topic from Elder Ballard in his book on councils. And he says that if leaders will invite women to contribute and participate in the councils, that it will open the floodgates of heaven. Mm-hmm. And what that says to me is that that th- there's no other way. Like genuinely, if we want to have the spirit to be free flowing and to edify all, women must be invited to contribute and they must have the room to share what they need to share and what the spirit has to say through them. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's just at the core of what should happen, that the flow of a meeting or getting it all done or packing it all in has to come secondary to, to this. Hmm. Um, to that invitation yes. to speak. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. I would like to reemphasize that. I, this is Jamie again. The real need, and this is, this is my opinion, but Kurt's going to listen to it. Um, as well as thousands of other <laughs> I I do think that there, I think there is great value in giving time to create unanimity instead of just accomplishing. Mm-hmm. If it means that we don't hold the stake Valentine dance this year because we are spending more time to become unified first, mm-hmm. I think that that is personally far more valuable than any of the programs and any of the other things going on. I just think of anything Absolutely. that COVID has taught us, that mm-hmm. it is okay to rein it back mm-hmm. and focus on, you know, that the spirit free flow in the council, because you start practicing that, you get better at it, and then you'll recognize more quickly, oh, yep, the spirits, I feel this. Okay, we're, we're all going in the same direction. And you're not battling the dynamics the entire, you know, your entire tenure in that calling, because you you battled that out at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You put the work into the unanimity first. Yeah. Well, and and you, I think what you said about that was spot on. It takes time, right? And we have to be invested in giving it the time it needs, so that we can get better at it and have it bless our wards and our then trickle out to the families. Yeah. And because this is the, often the concern I hear with, when you talk about unanimity, it's like, you know, that's a really cute concept on paper, but we have 30 things we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I don't got time to reach unanimity on each one. At some point, we got to make decisions and move on. Right. And so, like, I, I love that how you articulate. We're sort of stepping back and saying, like, okay, we have to master the skill of unanimity before we can even start accomplishing anything in the world or start talking about anything, anything. Right. And so, really focusing on the, you know, even if it's you start with a, simple example of an activity or who's speaking in sacrament meetings saying like, what does unanimity feel like? Because oftentimes Mm. we reach unanimity, but it's fake unanimity where it's like, Mm -hmm. I know everybody in the room doesn't agree with this, but you want to go home Mm because you hate meetings as much as I hate (laughs) meetings, right? And so just like clearing the agendas for a while and just saying, we're just going to practice the skill of unanimity and figure that out. And then that list of 30 items, it'll, it'll move much quick, much more quickly because, uh, we, we all feel understood. We all have, you know, mm-hmm. we all step forward and, and speak and these types of things. So mm-hmm. yeah, really, really powerful. 
All right. So just like speak to your audience are, are, are Whitman, you know, that mm-hmm. are seeking to be heard and understood in, in these various settings that often are found in our church. So any other skill sets or encouragement as far as like how we go about that? And then maybe we'll talk to the men for a bit as some things they can do. But anything else women can do, like if you were coaching someone's like, okay, you're about to walk in a word council meeting. Here we go. Remember yeah. these things. One of the things we talked about in our podcast was um, just recognizing authoritative and more precise language. Women apologize entirely too much. Mm. We don't need to say we're sorry mm-hmm. for contributing. Okay. Mm-mm. Let's take the words I'm sorry. Or interrupting. Or I, mean, interrupting. Oh, no. yeah, I mean, yeah. hopefully there's not too much interruption, but there's going to be interruption. And sure. that's, that's yeah. yeah. Words like just, well, I just wanted to say, okay, take out the word just. I'd like to say, this is, you know, this is what I'm saying. Or maybe we could do this. You know, those are things that women tend to use. Those are words that women tend to use that can dilute. Le- yeah. Lessen the impact of, of what yeah. their contribution is. And I think that sometimes conflict comes into that a little bit like, oh, like two other people disagree with me. Like, I'm just going to shrink. Okay, sure. Whatever you want to do. Right. And that's, yeah. that's not just a women issue. Like I think in our religious culture, any religious culture where we're striving to be Christ-like people, mm-hmm. we accidentally become nice people. And nice is not not the goal here. <laughs> it's right? not right? the yeah. goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we will automatically be nice people. And there are great ways to communicate well and effectively that where we can still be honor the, the humanity of the other person with whom we are communicating. Mm-hmm. Jesus always did that. He never diminished the person that he was with, Mm -mm. but he was able to be forthright and direct when he needed to. He was able to not say anything when he needed to, Mm -hmm. and he was able to communicate softly when he needed to. And this is work. We have to figure out how to do this well. And this is, this is our process. Jody and I, we feel that this is an important process. And so we've dedicated a lot of time and now we're trying to Mm -hmm. share a few things we've learned, but this it's a real thing for us. So avoid the the over apologies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure. Start with that. Mm-hmm. And be okay with saying no. And that yeah. no is a complete sentence. That's the other one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, and this um this trickles into something that I was gonna add, which is just to reassure women that it might get messy and that's okay. Like we will never learn how to do this if we don't just open our mouths and get it out. And have it kind of fall apart at some points and then have to, you know, after that meeting, make sense of it, regroup, maybe call somebody, maybe work it out. But but it is much more important to just practice saying what's coming up and let letting it be messy until it can be refined. Yeah. And just that, the concept of embracing the messy, even from, you know, and we'll talk more in the context of men, but like. I see this happen a lot where, especially in the context of callings, it's like, okay, this calling process, there's all these people, there's all these callings and mm-hmm. all these organizational leaders, and they keep suggesting names and no, that person's not available. And uh, no, don't pray about that name. Like here, here's three names, consider one of those, right? And <laughs> it becomes so messy. So what we do is we default to, okay, we're not going to say this, but the bishop is just going to make the calls from mm-hmm. here on out. We're going to just staff the primary because that way it's nice, clean cut and beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. But we really have to embrace the messy. And yeah. just be like, you know, yeah, there's some conflict here and let's sit with it and discuss it and see if we can be led to deeper revelation. Again, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To, yeah. To make room for that spirit. Too. So re- recognize it'll get messy. Anything else from as far as like coaching of women going, walking into uh, ward council that we haven't mentioned? This is more of a concept. 
than a skill, uh-huh. but just to to remember that groups that make decisions that involve the contributions of women are on the whole more they are happier with the decisions that they make. Hmm. And so for women just to be able to bring that with them and to trust that when they open their mouths and when they contribute with their full hearts in these kinds of councils, then it will make a difference and people overall will feel better. Like yeah. that that's just one of the contributions that women bring. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. All right. What about uh, coaching the bishopric walking into ward council and there's going to be some women there. So yeah. as a woman, what would you say? How would you coach that, that bishopric? First thing, it's not women who are broken. It's the society and the culture yeah. mm-hmm. that is, that's not right. Yeah. So if, if any leaders are still holding on to anything related to that over emotionality, over sensitivity equals brokenness, it's not true. Mm-hmm. Or even too directness, too much strength. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. brokenness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the way I'm thinking that in my head is walking in there, you say, you're, I'm going to be an advocate for really strong female opinions. Like if that person who's <laughs> sure. like, I'm going to make, because I remember this happened to me as a bishop. There was a primary president who just had this strong personality. And you could sort of sense when she started talking, everybody's like, uh, <laughs> like, please, like, why do we have to make this a big deal? Can we just move past this, right? But just saying, hey, you know, what? we're going to create some space here. Sister so-and-so has some, uh, has some concerns, there, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and we're going to create space for those things to be unpacked and sort of being that advocate, that ally for that individual in that meeting, mm-hmm. right? That there's nothing wrong with that person being in that room. And I would say that as, and maybe this is another thing that men can do as well, but as when you just gave that example, if a bishop were even to advocate for her in that moment or even validate Oh, excellent. Thank you. I can feel your enthusiasm or that I can tell that this is important to you. Or mm-hmm. so what you're saying is, and you just reiterate what they have said, that people who have a lifetime of feeling like they need to be aggressive in order to be heard start softening because they're being they're heard. heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Really, and so you want to really help if you're feeling like, ah, it really is too aggressive or men or women, you know, that they're coming on too strong or whatever that is. Just recognize that as we validate, as we start seeing people as real and, and as a leader being willing to just take on, you know, my role today is not to look at anybody askew. I am just going to take it as a they're giving it to me and I'm going to give as much love and support back in the moment as I can. It changes over time. Mm. You know, after two meetings, after six meetings, after six months, you start seeing that unity. It does. It flows more quickly. We start feeling safe. And when, Mm -hmm. especially for women, when we feel safe, we don't have to come in with our guns blazing. Yeah. Yeah. Creating that safety. Because we know. We know we're going to be heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. And there's this feeling of, I mean, what if the, say the bishop disagrees with the primary president in this, this context of, of a ward council? I mean, it's sometimes, I know women don't want to be treated with kid gloves by any means, but it goes back to that sensitivity thing. Like, well, what if I come back and disagree with her? And she's like, that hits harder than maybe others, right? And now she really is just thinks her bishop hates her or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to be heard or, or disagree a little bit. Any any advice on how to handle that debate or disagreement when with women? Mm, well, my belief about that circumstance is that the bulk of the weight of that responsibility does lie on the shoulders of 
the bishop in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And I guess I think about it maybe in terms of the way a parent, because there's a power differential. Mm-hmm. And so the way in terms that, that a parent would talk to a teenager about and maybe disagree, but, but not want to alienate that person or shut them down, but still keep open the flow of communication that the bishop or the other leader that's the, the steward at the time, I guess, needs to shoulder the bulk of that responsibility and find softer ways to disagree, mm-hmm. find ways to, you know, redeeming parts of the contribution and and see if you can encourage the conversation to, to end up in, in a better place together. But in a meeting like that, the, the tone, that tone of unanimity has to be set by the leader. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. And I'll add that my own experience working at one point with a deeply loving stake president, when the time came for him to disagree with me because he had set a precedent for so long of trying to make that good connection. And this this mm. is the same with your teenagers and not not even with the power differential, but just any good connected relationship. When there is a lot of good, mm. if you need to correct, it's not there's taken room. as perf- perf- mm-hmm. as personally. Yeah, yeah there's room. Mm-hmm. So we're not sitting around waiting, you know, to lash out because we've been criticized. For many, they're just they're probably hearing it all over the place, and so that's what they're reacting to. And so again, granted, at the beginning of the relationship, it's going to be messier because you're going to work through that. But if over time the sisters that you're working with are seeing that if she leaves and she's overwhelmed and upset and a wise leader says, calls her up later in the day and says, sister, I think we left something unfinished. Mm-hmm. You know, in the past 10, 20, 50 years ago, there would have been no follow up. Yeah, Mm-mm. That would yeah. not have been a thing. Yeah, that's helpful because it's not so much like, oh, there's this tactic that you use and in the moment it goes away, but it's more about the relationship, not Absolutely. necessarily the tactic. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Well. And Jamie brings up a really interesting point in that as well that I think is worth addressing, that out of all of our episodes, still some of the most popular episodes is our series on anger. Mm. Because when you start to talk to women about speaking up, then they have to start looking at all the ways that they haven't spoken up and they feel angry with themselves and angry with others for not giving them opportunities or for shutting them down. And so that is going to be a part of the process, but it can be worked through. And the women can work through it, and so can the men that it affects. But I think that the male leaders need to know that it might come up and that it's okay. Yeah. It can be navigated, and you can still get to a place of unanimity. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciate about this discussion because, again, we as men, we often default to, oh, so what I need to do is just get more women in the room, which might be the case, but that then it's like, great, I did it. Like, we have 10 <laughs> men and 10 women, like, right. we're there. Like, but there's oh, you check only that just box. got right. started. <laughs> but it's more Buckle of like- up, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more of like being willing to step into this arena yeah. of, and again, it's going to be messy. There's going to be hurt feelings. But as you're mainly aiming for the a deeper relationship with all involved and making sure, you know, are you heard? Like, what, what am I missing? And, that, and this is what I found beneficial as a bishop, like having routine one-to-one meetings with the Relief Society president and primary president. Just like it creates like everybody's gone and you can now say, 
all right, like, how am I doing? Like, what am I missing? And mm-hmm. they now have a platform to say, oh, well, let me it. give you three things. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you asked. You asked. <laughs> yeah. But if you just think you're going to walk into ward council and these concerns are going to come to the top or be like, oh, I, as the primary president, I feel very unsafe right now. Like, oh, oh wow, right. sister, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, no, like that's not going to happen, <laughs> no. right? You have to engage with these relationships and really push yes. and, and find that connection so that they say, Wow, I finally feel safe to say this, but I hate your meetings. And actually, I did this with a stake president once. I'm like, I hate the stake bishopric meetings. It's a waste of my time. And but we had that relationship, and he hurt me. Right. So, but you're not. And I'm a little bit forthright of a person that probably helps, but not everybody's going to get there without that safety, right? And Mm -hmm. that's what we want to establish that safety and the engagement of relationship, right? Yeah. So and. I'll just, there's one last thing that just as a man, a lot of that in our culture, you've been raised with. So right. you, so even if you and the stake president haven't had this deep long-term relationship, right. you come to it with a sense yeah. of safety anyway within yourself. Many women do not carry that within them. Yep. So just Love be aware, be aware that they're not carrying that. And so that does fall a little bit more on the person in charge to prioritize that if they want unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't want unity, it's you're fine. You know what? Just, <laughs> that's right. Disregard it. You can it. scrap just, it. Just staff and the her ward ideas. and don't ask for opinions. <laughs> yeah. And people will secretly despise you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we wrap up, I want to just run through and just highlight some of these titles you have. When I, the series on anger, I think is great. Equality of Adam and Eve. That's interesting. Speaking mm. up with emotional maturity. Every voice counts. What is peacemaking? Oh, this mm. is uh, fascinating. How to not ruin an apology. That's great. Mm. And uh, many, many others. Any, yeah. I mean, uh, we sort of highlighted, and there's a whole episode about this. It's called When Outnumbered by Men, published July 22nd, 2021. But any other like places that you would encourage people to start with a podcast to get a really f- the good flavor and some good content to, to begin with? Yeah. And Jody mentioned the anger. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place. And, and it, again, because when you start to speak up for many women and you know, some women may discount this or think, I already know how to speak up. But if you want to really do it effectively, mm-hmm. that just from personal experiences, whether or not you're a forthright person or not, effective speaking up is very, very difficult for, for most people. Yeah. So starting with that, because recognizing, you know, your own emotional response and that, that could bring up a lot of anger is a great place to kind of move forward and work through that so that you're not carrying the anger and then can can get past that and start showing up the way you want to show up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Go go ahead. I would just reference one other series that we did on the three main parts of speaking up, which is like getting clear and then actually speaking up and then living with the consequences of speaking up. Okay. And so that's just kind of a Mm -hmm. foundational series that we put together that would be good to to take awesome. a look at. So the people can find that anywhere where they're listening to this podcast. That's right. Just search for Absolutely. Speak Up Sister. Speak Up Sister. And, uh, <laughs> and is it S I S T A? It is Sister. I was just trying to be so cool. Nice. Nice. Great, great title. And I'm excited to see future future episodes. So maybe what we'll end with is have each of you just, what final encouragement would you give to women? Walk Like just a general encouragement of women who are trying to better speak up or establish that habit in their life. In my own personal experience, the whole is exponentially greater than the sum of its parts. 
little changes. And anybody who follows the Savior Jesus Christ understands this intuitively. When you make small changes to bring more light into who you are and into the lives of others, it grows. It affects other things. When you start speaking up effectively, you will find just deeper connections in your relationships, more peace in your own heart, and just a general feeling of contentment and happiness that just doesn't come anywhere other than with the Savior. And it's this process, it's worth the work. Yeah. Mm. Jody. My personal experience has been that it has been, I have felt so alive and connected to the Spirit and my heavenly parents in my speaking up. And I came from a place of not saying much ever and just defaulting to what somebody else wanted most of the time. And I had to learn that in my motherhood and in, in experiences that I had at work and at church. And some of them were grueling. But to be closer to a place where I feel that sense of connection and feel a permission to express it in ways that don't diminish myself or others. There is a spiritual connection there that makes me just so grateful for the process and for all of the hard work that it takes. That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to access the three free sessions of the LGBT Saints Library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.